Hello and welcome to another weekly teaching from Vineyard Community Church, St. Louis. We're talking about the kingdom story, and uh, you're a part of that. If you know Jesus, you sometimes we have words we hear, we just don't take in, that you actually are God's chosen. Can't get your mind around that? I can't either, but it's true. That you are, you once were not God's people, but now you are. You once were, in, were ruled by darkness, now you're in the kingdom of light. And you're no longer strangers or aliens to God. You actually are fellow, fellow citizens and members of not just his kingdom, but his household. And so just taking that in, this is what we're talking about the kingdom story. You are part of the kingdom story. And what we're going to be talking about as we go through this, we realize that the thing of the, the moment of the kingdom is that, oh my goodness, what they realize, we talked about last uh, week, because we see the kingdom story all the way from Genesis, all the way through all the stories of the Exodus, all the way through the prophets, all the way through David, all the way through, all the way to epistles, revelations, gospels, all the way through, we see this whole connecting part of God and his kingdom working. And so even though we're looking at sometimes in the Old Testament things that think, well, this is a such a different group of people, Culturally, it's a lot different. And how do I relate? We can start realizing this is actually part of your story. The same God who parted the Red Sea, who did these things, is the Jesus and the King that you're relating to. And so as you think about that, as we go through this, you know, I, uh, I started thinking about why are you here? It's, you know, it's it's not easy, maybe because it's air conditioning. Outside's a little harder. But you're, you could be doing, lots, of course, a lot of people. I know all these people online who are faithfully watching us from cold Colorado and all these things. I know you're really probably praying for us, all that. But some of us are here, right? Why are you here? What would cause you on a beautiful summer day to come in? And here's, the, here's what I'd say. You may not know this. It's because God's intervened into your life. <laughs> and you may even think I'm here, oh, I'm just here to be friendly or whatever. But I'm telling you, God's intervening. He does that. He breaks in to our natural life and wants to bring good things to us, right? And right now, he's working. His kingdom is at work, wanting to gain rule and reign over your life, not for control, but for your blessing. And so we look at that, and as we think through these stories, we talked about the, the Exodus story last week, and some reason my clicker's not doing great. There you go. And the Exodus story last week, you know, we see this place where they, in Exodus, they come across the Red Sea and they begin talking about the horse and rider. And you, you think about what they went through. I mean, it's a long story. I'd encourage you to read it if you hadn't read it for a while in the 18 chapters of Exodus. But it's a long story of God intervening supernaturally, powerfully for this long process. And the people of Exodus, they began understanding when they came to the place where God came through and rescued them from oppression and evil of Pharaoh and the powers of oppression they're under and brought justice as they're sitting there, they're thinking, whoa, and they're on the other side of the sea and they just began worshiping. And they sang this song in which that they talked about this place where God had unleashed, it says, and when they watched God's mighty power and unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe and put their faith in the Lord. It goes on to say they started singing this song, and then they, it goes on to say that 
The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me this victory. This is my God. I will praise him. My Father's God, and I'll exalt him. And then they close with this line. This is really key about the kingdom of God. They recognize this. The Lord will reign forever and ever. The Lord will reign forever and ever. They understand so many things to this story that changed the way they thought, the way they saw who God was. He communicated to him that he was the I am, that he was the king who actually communicated on the most personal of levels with kindness and compassion. They learned that this is a king who has full reign and rule over the greatest power of the earth and all of evil. And it wasn't that it was actually an eternal kingdom, eternal kingdom. And then the kingdom, it's this wild thing where like they're used to seeing kingdoms like Pharaoh's of power and oppression of others to gain. But we see the kingdom of God being a spot that advances by humans trusting (laughs) and submitting and yielding to this king who's good and God does all these things. And we see this king, they realize we're actually citizens of this. In other words, the whole participation in this whole thing of Israel, they realize we're a part of this thing. We're, We're interacting and responding and listening and and they realize they get to be a part of it, and they're equally a part of it, no matter who they are. There's no favoritism. It's just, it's filled with compassion, and it overcomes evil and sets us free. So this is, the, the Israelites get this, and the Exodus story really communicated way more than getting from point A to point B. It ta- taught them to understand this king and the kingdom of God. And so, you know, this... This thing about the kingdom of God, you know, we, uh, we think about it coming and it breaking in, and uh, we're going to talk about the taste of it. And so there's, there's kind of a taste of the kingdom of God. That was, my, that, was, that was all there for you later. There you go. Go to the next one if you wouldn't mind. I'm not sure why it's not clicking. There you go. And so... Part two of the kingdom of God is really going to talk about another story. Because these are the two stories that you see referred to the most. All the Old Testament flows from this place of a paradigm of God and his kingdom and pointing us towards Jesus the king through the Old Testament. But we look at particular stories and the second most, probably the most second or close popular thing that we hear many people talking about in the New Testament is the Davidic kingdom, the kingdom of David. And uh, even like, you know, even if you're not religious, most people know something about King David because he was that great. And people know about his kingdom. You know, uh, the kingdom of God, I think, help to understand this, kind of put on the, the bottom shelf is this. Every good and perfect gift, it says in James, comes from above. Think about that. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from God, who never shifts and never changes, who's always consistently who he is, and he comes from above. Then you start looking at the spot where in Romans it says, it describes, Paul's describing what is the will of God, and the will of God is described this way. And I love this. It's the, 
It's God's will is good and it's perfect and it's pleasing. I've heard people talk about the will of God like it's horrible, <laughs> bad, and not very pleasing. It's, the, the will of God is perfect. It's beautiful. It's as it should be. And it's, you know, it's pleasing. It fulfills us. And so understanding that is what you have to understand is God is always giving his kingdom. He's always bringing good things and breaking in so we can get a glimpse of him. And as believers, even non-believers can actually can sense this in things that happen to them and they go, that seemed like it was beyond normal. I, there's something in that that speaks of God. It testifies of him. But us as believers, we know it's happening when we have these things in us that we think, whew, that feels like God. You guys know those? Like those kind of moments like, I think this is the way, here's some phrases we might use. You had those moments where everything is just like, like I look at the Dunlaps. They gave me back from Italy. We were been praying for them. It was really, uh, you're on, were you on a mission trip there? No, you weren't. You're just goofing around. So, they, so they, they can think about moments like, I'm guessing they looked at each other and said, ah, this is good, <laughs> right? You have a few of those moments, right? Uh, but it can happen anywhere. It can happen outside your eyes. This spot, have you have times in your life where you go, ah, it's, it's the way it should be. You know those feelings? And it's beyond natural. It's this place where how that feels. You know? The world is right at that moment. You ever hear those kind of terms? Like, at this moment, it may not last for very long, but at this moment, you sense what would be right if it was the way it should be. This is the way it should be. Right? And you kind of know those ways, especially as a believer, you understand this is a you're actually experiencing the good gift of God coming into a situation and you're recognizing that as this is of God. Think about the times that you have experienced those things. Right? I'm just going to give a few and you can, you can dream up your own because you have different ones than other people. Maybe it's the birth of a child. Maybe it's a spot in which that you found yourself in a situation where you're, um, well, the worship team just this morning talked about how they felt so connected to each other this morning, right? Like, those moments are not just normal moments. You're tasting something that is the way it should be. You know what I mean? There's times like, you had a place where you just, you see the beauty of nature, and all of a sudden things come into perspective, you know, and you just see God in that. You feel and sense awe in the presence of this beauty, like this is the way it's supposed to be. Then you slap the mosquito and think, well, it's not quite there yet. But those moments, right? How about the spot where you, uh, you have art that just moves you? Somehow it touches you in this place that you feel more connected to God or how about the time you're in your car, cranking it out, singing the top of your lungs, and you're feeling it full of joy? And you stop, and someone's looking at you. And, but those moments that you think, this is the way it should be. How about the place where, have you had this? I, I will see kindness in, in a movie or showing love in a certain spot. And I just feel God in that loving act. 
that I'm seeing in others' people. I can, just, I can feel the presence of God as I'm watching somebody show love from their heart to someone else or sacrificing for another person. How is a place where you maybe a uh, kid falls asleep in your arms? You heard that? Kids are always more beautiful. I see the kingdom of God right after they go to sleep. Wait, have you noticed that? It's like, wow, God's here. Just a few minutes ago, I was in the not yet of the kingdom, but now, oh, this child is beautiful, and I love this child, and they're sleeping. That was this place where you uh, have just a great meal with a friend. You're just, you're just enjoying life. Good cup of coffee in the morning for a coffee drinker, sitting out, looking at the bird. I, it's just, that's life. It's, you know, for me, I remember when I was in California, we used to have a backyard that's kind of like our living room in the backyard. We had the screen open. I remember just having these moments where I'd be sitting there, I'm tired, I'm a dad, you guys, I still remember that, you young dads. I mean, just like, and all of a sudden, on all the tiredness, I'm sitting there relaxing, and they, they are not yelling or screaming at each other. They're playing nicely and, and creatively and laughing, and I just think, this is the way it's supposed to be. Right? It's just, you just feel this deep love. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. You know, uh, for me, one thing that I thought about in this spot is this is on, there's a scale here, like all the way to extreme. Like I've had times where it's like, very apparent that God has broken in with his kingdom at a moment that I'll never forget. They're at another level, right? But there's all these levels in between, and God wants us to really treasure all the good gifts that God has given us. I remember one time I was at a conference. I think probably, like knowing me, I've told this story before, I can't remember. Uh, the good thing about being old, I just now I can just say I can't remember, and I'm not lying. You know, before I could remember, I couldn't come up with any other stories. Now I, don't, I actually don't remember, so we're good. <laughs> And one of those guys, I was getting prayed for at this conference. And I tell you, I, I felt the love of God, the deep forgiveness of God, the presence of God in a way that I have not experienced since. Is it uniquely different than any experience? And I'm telling you, when I got done, I couldn't get out of my seat. I just sat there. And everybody was great. I loved Everybody I saw. <laughs> and it's just this building with no, there's no mountain there, there's no stars, it's just a building. I'm sitting there, and what's very interesting, the reason I remember it is because in the middle of this, it starts smelling a little smoky. And we come to find out that there's a building next to this church that has caught on fire and is a raging inferno, and smoke is coming in, so we had to evacuate the building, the whole conference. And I remember walking through smoke thinking, this is so good. <laughs> Didn't even affect me. Because I was experiencing the breaking in of the kingdom. And I was able to see through that lens for that short period of time. But it was great. It gave me a taste of the kingdom. But it happens in any time. You say, well, you know, you don't know my life. Because right now my life is not as it should be. Let's get honest. Some of you here are like, my life is way out of whack right now. 
important. I remember Debbie and I, when we were at our place, and I would say in our whole marriage, we married 42 years, in our whole marriage, this one moment, I think our life was more out of place. Nothing was happening the way it should, ever. I mean, it was like going the wrong direction. And we were not doing well. Circumstantially, emotionally, <laughs> everything was not as it should be. And the Tars were on the back row, invited us up to a cabin to spend some time because we were vegetables. <laughs> That's why. Whenever you go on vacation, always ask a vegetable to come with you. That's my theory. So that, we weren't quite there, but we were, they were gracious to us because they love us. And so we went up there, and I remember this one moment, Debbie and I, we put life preservers on this rowboat, and we got comfortable, and we pushed it away from the dock, and we floated out in this really still lake, and we looked up, and there was no moon, and the stars were out bright. I'm laying there like we're in pain, like crazy pain. I remember seeing the stars and in that spot of taking that beauty in I knew God was there and I knew God was eternal and I knew this was a short time that I would get through and I felt like in some way somehow this is going to work out right that was the kingdom coming and so when you think about the kingdom, you know, it's this place that things are, when they, it comes, it's as things that, even in a world that's not as it should be, it realigns and allows us to see what is real and true and what will be eternal. And so we look at Saul and David and Solomon in the Old Testament. This is in the run of kings. And they had a combined 120-year rule over the United kingdom of Israel. And then what we see in this is that Saul, David and Solomon, there was this whole thing that happened. Saul's a mixed bag on where he's at. But these guys, man, it was this unique Davidic kingdom that came about, which is actually part of history. People have, will still talk about it because it was a time and a place that was not, like no other. It was actually the, it was considered to be the uh, golden age of things where you'd actually find yourself in a place where it's, uh, it, there's about it, basically 80 years of their life, they ended up actually just having this rule and reign. I'm not sure why it's not clicking. Next one over. And uh, you can kind of help me along as you go, and I'll just keep talking. Um, I apologize to the overhead people when this thing doesn't work. It's not their fault. Um, the other thing is, is that there's this place where this kingdom was just unlike anything else. So I'm going to have James come up. That night the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, Go tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites out of Egypt to this day. I've been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, never did I say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people of Israel, why, haven't, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pastor, from tending the flock, and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, 
and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth. And I will provide a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore, as they did in the beginning. And I have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people of, of Israel. I also give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares that you... Oh, the Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish the house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son, when he does wrong, I will punish him with the rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. This is a... Uh a lot in this story. We're going to go through just a little bit of it and kind of land it uh, and kind of how does it apply to us. You know, as we look at this story, um, the next one you can click over, the, he starts out by just talking about, first off, David is like, wait a second, you know, you're, uh, there you go, wait a second, you guys are like, you know, I'm living in the house of cedar, <laughs> And the, the ark is still in a tent, right? So he says, let's, let's build a, a temple for it. Let's build a house for this, right? And then he says, well, you know, God's with you. Do what you want. But then he goes and he has this dream. And he basically says to him, you know, I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought you from the Israelites out of Egypt to this day. It's like, in, in some ways, it's like, I don't need a house, <laughs> I'm with my people. There's something in this because what he's talking about this, he's, it's, this is the understanding of the king, right? What, what we see when you start reading David is we see a king under a king. A small king under the king is what we're going to see. And so what we see is him saying, wait a second, you're the big king, so you need to, well, he says, I'm a different kind of king. I, I go where you go. And I've been doing that from the very beginning. I didn't ask you for a house of cedar. That's not what I'm looking for. He goes on to explain this place as he goes through this. I mean, and so what, what we see in this is we see this kind of taste of the kingdom, that the kingdom is not, that it's, especially when he's showing this through David, intentionally not allowing him to build a temple, he's showing it this, that this kingdom prophetically looking ahead even for the kingdom that Jesus will, the kingdom will see coming in, uh, being brought through Christ, we started understanding, oh, this kingdom is not something that's geographical. This is like the king stays with us. You know, there's a verse in, in Isaiah, I love this verse, it says, it says, this is what the Lord says, heaven's my throne and earth's my footstool, where is the house you will build for me? You know, where will my resting place be? My hands have created everything, so like, what are you going to give me that I don't already have? 
But here's what he's going to, what you look a little further. What he's looking for, says later on, he's looking for those with a humble and contrite heart. He's basically saying, in this kingdom that I'm talking about, I rest in the hearts of my people. And I'm, that's what allows the kingdom to advance. Now think about that with David himself. David was picked because Samuel saw, wait a minute, the Lord doesn't look on the outside, he looks on the inside. We see other verses that says King David was known for being a man after God's own heart. And we look at the Psalms, we see all that as well. So we understand this in, this, in this, him saying, hey, I'm not going to, I don't need a house. The next section you can turn there is, it talks about this place is, uh, I've gone wherever you've been, right? I've been with you wherever you go, have gone, and I have cut off your enemies. In other words, I've given you power and, and protect you from your enemies and have gone before you. Uh, and, I, and here's what you're going to do, though. You want to make a great house, I want to raise you up. And so God says that I want to make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth. I don't know how you'd handle that. Like, wow, <laughs> okay. God says you're going to make me great. And he holds to that promise. And if you look in the New Testament, you can see even to that day, David was the person who everybody would say, is, is it like David? He was a standard that people would use. It's interesting. I think one that's really interesting on this is that, um, that he, he basically talks about this place of, of being great. Jesus, when he... Is his disciples are walking through the fields and they're eating grain, <laughs> and he has to defend himself uh, because the Pharisees are saying you're eating on the Sabbath. What does he do? He goes, "Oh, wait, wait, wait. here's what David said." <laughs> so Jesus is actually this is how great David is as far as in the knowing because God made him great, and we see over and over the greatness of of David to this day. If you look and just do a search in the New Testament, David. <laughs> you will find a lot of hits because his name is great. And even to the world, he was great. And so as we look at this, we start also, the, the next section, you turn there, it says, the Lord himself established you a house, and when your days, it says, the Lord will establish a house when your days are over. So like, here's your answer. When you're dead, <laughs> I'm going to build a beautiful house. But this isn't what your kingdom is about right now. And I want you to understand that. And so he, he promised through Solomon he would build his temple. But then he had this other promise. We're going to try again? All right. Let's try again. No. All right. So <laughs> then he had this other promise of Solomon you know, of, of, for David. And he says, I'm going to make you great. And then he says, and here's how great. Out of your very flesh and blood... There'll be this kingdom that's eternal. And there'll be this king who brings it in. And he speaks about Jesus. And we see this place where it looks a little strange there because he talks about, he says, I will be his father and he will be my son. And when he does wrong, I will punish him with rods wielded by men. Obviously, we see this as a prophetic thing of his, his afflictions. We understand he's he basically saying he's coming into the world with no special privileges. And he'll be he, all human. And when he takes on, we know now he was sinless, but when he took on those places of our sin, he bore our shame and our punishment. 
I mean, here we are, him prophetically understanding and promising out of that. So if you ever wonder why, when you start looking at the Christmas story, it talks about Joseph coming from the line of David. When you start talking about they went to Bethlehem, the city of David, and when you start seeing them worshiping him, saying, oh, King Jesus, Hosanna, the, the, uh, the son of David, <laughs> you understand that this lineage that promise took place. So as we look at this, you know, we understand that in the, that worked, there we go. Uh, what I would describe, though, in this kingdom of both David and into his son Solomon, this 80-year reign, if I would describe what God is showing, he's showing us understanding of what I, what, the best word you say would be a time of shalom. And this is a greeting that, if you're Jewish, it's a normal greeting, but it's kind of passed on to lots of people, this place of shalom. It's much more than just a high horizon. It's a place of, of the best way to describe it, it's a full soundness and completeness and harmony and absence of strife. You guys need a little bit of that? Do you need a little shalom in your life? In a world that often isn't that? You know, the, the word of Joe about, now he's called the, the Prince of Peace. You know, and so we look at this place with David and, and Samuel, it puts it really clearly. David reigned over all Israel doing what was right for all his people. He reigned and he did what was right. And it brought shalom. It brought this time in which that amazing things took place. And it says the people of Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sands on the seashore. They ate and they drank and were happy. And Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms from the Euphrates River to the land of the Philistines as far as the border of Egypt. And it says God gave Solomon wisdom and a very great insight and a breath of understanding as measureless as measureless as the sand of the seashores. So what you see is you see this place where Solomon came in and not only did he build a temple, it was just it was this kingdom was just over the top. God was just blessing it. Their borders were expanding. There was safety. There's all these things that took place. And, there's, and so, kind of giving an understanding as far as like what this looks like is, go ahead and click the next one. And the next one, it, it gives a little bit of the spot of, of like shalom. Okay? When the kingdom comes, just it's as it is in heaven, we experience it on earth. When we experience that. And we see this taste of this with David's kingdom. I mean, you have this place of celebration and joy. Do you need more celebration and just joy in your life? You know, we're a church that talks about suffering probably a little too much sometimes, you guys know that? <laughs> we probably need a little joy, right? And celebration. This place that, it was just, an, you know, this beautiful party, is just a, it was just happening the whole time. Then you have this place of abundance. 
just overflowing with abundance. Again, this is giving us a taste of the heaven, the kingdom of heaven that's coming. This abundance. I'll give you an idea of this. One day's supply of Solomon's household. Okay? You guys think your grocery bill was high. Okay, here we go. One day's supply. They had 12 tribes, and each month that tribe had to supply for that month. One day supply is this. 185 bushels of fine flour, 375 bushels of meal, 10 grain-fed cattle, 20 range cattle, 100 sheep, and miscellaneous deer, gazelles, bucks, and a choice fowl. That's a day's... This is how big this was. I mean, we're talking... And then there's this place of security because there was such power in Israel. It says that Solomon had 40,000 stalls for chariots and 12,000 horsemen. And there's just peace. And what's interesting, it was actually a peace that was expanding beyond their borders, which brought connections to even countries that used to be their enemies. They had kings from Egypt coming to get wisdom from Solomon, and because there was something about this place that was different than any other kingdom. And there's just this great wisdom. There's this place of wholeness. And here's the thing about wholeness. It's like, do you guys ever realize how fragmented your life gets? You do this, and you do this, and it takes away from this, and you do a little bit of this, and it takes away from that. You're just constantly, like, fragmented. It's part of the curse of our world. But in the kingdom, it brings things together. And so there was no spiritual and secular. There was no this and that. And it was all together. So the beauty and all the things they were seeing and all the moments they were experiencing, all these good gifts were all part of the shalom of the kingdom. And there's this place of a lot of worship, full of gratitude, expressed regularly. You know, we look and see all that was taking place. You realize David wrote, 50% of the Psalms. Do you understand he was experiencing who God was and what it was like to have a right heart under his rule and reign? And he was expressing it in worship. Psalms 23. A king, a small king under the king, says about his Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. I won't want anything. He'll lead me, he'll guide me, he'll lay me down in green pasture, give me something to drink, he'll put me on the path of righteousness. And when I get to really painful things, I don't have to fear because my Lord is with me. That's coming from someone who's experienced the kingdom breaking in and knowing the king. How about Psalms 51? Created me a clean heart. Because I know this kingdom advances by the heart. So God, I want a clean heart because I want you to do whatever you want in me. How about Psalms 3 where he says, Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation in him, my God. But you are my shield around me. You are my glory, and you are the one who lifts my head. 
Or how about this one? This is a, I love this psalm. In Psalms 8, Psalm 8 says this. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you think of him and the son of man that you are concerned about him? Yet you have made him a little lower than God, and you've crowned him with glory and majesty. You've kept me, you've brought me right in to this thing. How can this be? Just living in the place of gratitude. So, an invitation this morning. I had these two verses that came to mind because they ties it back into us. And when Jesus came, he said, there's, a, there's an enemy in the world who's trying to kill and destroy you, but my purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. There's, in this world, there's a force that we're always against, and God comes in and says, I want to give you life, or I want to give you abundance. You know, when Jesus was preparing his disciples, he says, I've told you these things so that in me you might have peace. In a world, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So seek first the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. Don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives you the uh, for it gives your Father great happiness to give you the kingdom. He loves to give you the kingdom, right? And so the question is, where do you need the king to rule and reign to bring you fulfillment? Like, where do you need that? Where do you need hope? Where do you need peace? kind of highlight that peace part. Where do you need a place where you don't have to strive? Where you experience safety? Where do you you need in those areas? Where you need safety, where you need peace, where you need freedom? And really, we just have to understand is that we have all kinds of ways we grasp for these things because they're our desire. We're made to desire these things. But the way we find it is coming under a rule and reign. And that is a place of trust. And just, God is tremendously gracious. But today, I just encourage you, after the worship, to really consider what might be a good thing for you to do as far as like, what is the area that God might want me to be trusting Him?